You're listening to Parenting with Emotional Intelligence, a subset of the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast, which airs every Wednesday starting today. If you are new to this podcast, or maybe you've been around for a while and you haven't heard about the new changes, I encourage you to check out episode 24, which explains the new daily podcast format with daily themes and discussion topics, or read about it in today's show notes. Working with children and families is where my heart lies which is why I started my second business, Generation EQ, where I work with families and children on developing their emotional intelligence together. Today, we'll be talking about a few benefits to parenting with emotional intelligence, specifically how emotional intelligence allows you to better assess, understand, and communicate with each of your children in a way that is more effective and conserves your energy. Because we know energy is like electric gold for parents, right? Highly valuable stuff. So let's break this down. Starting with assessing your child's needs and behaviors. Before we can effectively assess anything, there are two primary things that we need to be aware of and know. And the first is understanding the difference between an observation and an interpretation. What we often label as an observation is usually our interpretation of what we've observed. It's really rare for us actually to make observations without interpretation. And for good reason, we realize that at a very core instinctual level that we need to calculate the probability of an outcome quickly and react quickly, especially during life-threatening circumstances. If you see someone running furiously towards you, you're not going to just stand there and observe them like, oh, somebody's running towards me. No, you're going to react. You're going to assume that there is a problem and you're going to react on that assumption as it's happening. And this hypothesis is based on a combination of observation, knowledge, experience, and instinct. But today, in today's age, We live in a world that is far more complex than ever before, and we have just all of this data coming at us that we feel like we have to decipher, and it can be information overload. So sometimes it's actually beneficial to take a step back and simply observe before jumping to a conclusion and reacting. So what is an observation, and how does it differ from an interpretation? Well, an observation is an undisputable fact. Now, a lot of people say there's undisputable facts out there, but this is seriously, nobody's going to argue about it because it is an undisputable fact, like one plus one equals two, right? And it can be really boring when explained, whereas an interpretation tends to attach meaning and emotion to what we've observed. So let's use an example. Let's say that there's two siblings and they're playing and then the oldest sibling just decides to snatch a toy out of the hands of the youngest sibling. Now, most parents, if I were to ask them what they just observed, they may say something like, the oldest was upset that the younger child was was playing with the toy and they wanted it, so they took it from the other sibling. Or they may say, 
Um, the oldest child snatched the toy from the sibling out of jealousy. But both of these statements are an interpretation of what happened. The observation was simply that the oldest snatched a toy out of the hands of the youngest sibling. That's it. That's an observation. Again, they're very boring. They're very, very matter of fact. There's no meaning attached to it. So why is this distinction so important? Because our feelings and actions are based on how we perceive the world around us. If we assume the oldest child snatched the toy out of his sibling's hands, out of malice, we may react in a way that punishes the child without first understanding the reason behind their actions. Now, here is where parents often push back and say, so you're telling me I should let my child get away with that? No, no, that is not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that by observing, you eliminate the emotions that you may attach to that interpretation, which prevents you from reacting before offering the child a chance to explain themselves. Your interpretation may very well be accurate. However, parenting with emotional intelligence is not about being right or providing punishment to fit the crime. Equally, it's not about a child getting away with something if they act poorly. It's about teaching your child to understand the depth of their behavior and to learn to self-regulate, which discipline does not teach. Discipline, if anything, teaches them not to get caught. And is that really what we want to be teaching our children? to make sure we don't do this in front of mommy or daddy or someone that's going to punish us, right? Additionally, parents will argue that, well, their parents disciplined them that way and they turned out just fine. What this often means is they turned out normal with no bigger problems than any average person. And what you will learn through developing your emotional intelligence is that normal is very overrated and not a very high standard when it comes to optimal well-being and success. If you listen to this podcast long enough, you will understand what I mean by that. But that's a really big subject that I'm not going to get into right now. So one thing I have become extremely aware of over the past nine years is that our society is structured around punishment and violence and less focused on support in treating the source of an issue. For too long, we've been told that if we do not punish, then we are letting our children or someone else get away with their crime or wrongdoing, and that we're creating hellions or we're weak parents. I get it. I get it. I was raised to believe this exact same way. For the longest time, I too saw parents who didn't punish their children's poor behavior as being weak and pushovers. But once I understood the psychology behind behavior and the value of emotional intelligence, it became very clear that as a society, we're doing things that we believe are right, but in reality are counterproductive to the results that we're looking for. It's this collective ignorance that keeps us stuck in a toxic feedback loop of chronic people problems. This is a systemic issue. 
It is also an issue when it comes to child rearing, and they both feed into and off of one another. The fact is, we don't know what we don't know. Ignorance is a lack of information, not stupidity. A lot of times people get that confused. So it's no one's fault if we're not aware of how big of an issue this whole thing is. Because for many of us, we've been raised to think a very certain way, which we accept it without question because, well, it's, it's normal to us. It's part of us. And the problem with that is that with it being the norm, that is where we set the standard and the baseline. And we don't seem to want to achieve a new, new normal, a higher normal, a more fulfilling and happier normal, a more productive normal. So my job is to provide people with new information so they can become informed and learn more effective ways to parent and enrich the lives of their family and set their children up for well-being and success. So let's continue to use the child snatching the toy from the younger sibling. So now that you've observed what just happened, you can address the child. And depending on the reaction of the sibling that had the toy taken from them, you may need to comfort them as well while you're also trying to engage with your other child. Unfortunately, because there are so many variables to the outcome of this interaction, I cannot coach you on the nuances as I would if I were working with you and your family directly and one-on-one. So if you find yourself saying that this would never work with my child when I start to provide a course of action, just know this is just one of the many ways that you can handle this situation with emotional intelligence. It's not the only way. That said, your main objective is to handle the situation using emotionally intelligent parenting. Normally what happens is that we act on our assumptions and prematurely label the cause of the behavior, the child's actions, or their intentions. And in many cases, we are just simply mimicking what was modeled for us by our parents or caregivers. We may say something like, that wasn't nice. You can't take things just because you want them. Tell your little brother or sister you're sorry. There's nothing necessarily wrong with this response, although tone definitely definitely plays a major role in how this comes across. For example, if you were to say something like, that's not nice, you can't do that. Obviously, a harsh tone doesn't make anyone feel safe and open to having a conversation. And that conversation That dialogue is where the magic happens and the learning occurs. And even if you said this statement calmly, it lacks room for self-examination by the child. Why is this important? Because it teaches them to think about their actions, why they did what they did, what they were feeling, how the other person may have felt, etc., etc. You're teaching them at a young age how to problem solve, empathize, self-manage, and take responsibility for their actions. 
This is why emotionally intelligent parenting is so valuable and essential. Even if your child does something wrong, I encourage you to react with love, always. How we define love in this modern world is often very conditional, but true love is present no matter the circumstance. And when your child hears that in your voice, they are way more receptive of what you have to say and willing to have a conversation with you. This doesn't mean that you can't be upset with what they did. You can totally still have feelings around what they did and show them that you're upset, but ensure that it's the behavior that you're condemning and not the child. For example, saying, what is wrong with you? is condemning the child versus saying something like, why did you do that? I feel sad. I feel angry when you act that way. See the difference? The focus of this episode is to understand how emotional intelligence helps you to more effectively assess, understand, and communicate with your child. So let's put everything together now. So first, We begin by assessing the situation through observation instead of labeling the action, defining the reason, or punishing. We first seek to understand why our child behaved in the way that they did. And we do this by asking non-leading questions. An example of a leading question would be, you know what you did was wrong, right? Versus, Can you tell me why you took the toy from your brother or sister? How do you think it made them feel? How would you feel if they took a toy from you? Would you like them to take a toy from you? And why not? So what can you do next time when you want to play with the toy that your brother or sister is playing with without taking it from them? Again, you're teaching your child to solve their own problems and find a solution while also encouraging empathy. Now, obviously age plays a big factor in your child's ability to communicate this. So I am basing this off of the communication of a typical three-year-old and older. I know that three years old sounds super young and a three-year-old's vocabulary seems very limited. And while it is, I can assure you, having worked in early childhood for several years, that these little ones understand more than we give them credit for. Sometimes we just have to find creative ways to help them express themselves. Visual aids are a great way to help them express their emotions and asking them to point to where they're feeling the feeling in their body as well also helps. In the case of the toy situation, you could offer them options. So instead of ending with a question, what could you do next time, since it may be very hard for a three-year-old or a four-year-old to articulate that, you might say something like, hmm... Next time this happens, what could you do? Let's see. Could you ask brother or sister nicely to play with the toy? And if they agree to that idea, then also bring up the fact, and I'm talking about your three-year-old agreeing to that idea, then also bring up the fact that 
that brother or sister may say no. And then what? What are we going to do now? So think of a secondary solution with them. What if they say no? What else could we do? What about find a different toy to play with? And if you're three-year-old, four-year-old, whatever, any child doesn't like that option that you gave them, and they just want to snatch the toy again from their brother or sister, this is where you set consequences for their actions and let them know that if they choose to do that, this is what's going to happen. These are the consequences of your actions. So how is this different from traditional discipline? It's different because you tried everything else first before you established a consequence. You gave them an option to do other things, but if they refuse, now they've got to face the consequences. And you're also not telling them that they can't do something because they still can. They're just going to get punished for it, right? So instead, you're teaching them to hold themselves fully responsible for the choices that they decide to make. So if you found this episode valuable, yes, that's the end of this episode, uh, but you would like to learn more or you have questions, I encourage you to check out my website, which is generationeq.org. It will be in the show notes where you can find more information about upcoming Generation EQ Parent Clubs, uh, where I personally facilitate 90-minute interactive discussions every single month. It's a private group on parenting with emotional intelligence, and I expand on topics such as this. In addition, I offer private family programs, which takes into account your family's unique personalities and behaviors. I will put this and the link to everything else I just discussed for Generation EQ and the website in the show notes as well. So again, that is all for today. Next week on Parenting with Emotional Intelligence, we'll continue to expand on effectively communicating with your child. But tomorrow is Throwback Thursdays, where I share an experience from my my past prior to developing my emotional intelligence. And then I assess it with a new perspective and what I learned about myself or others from that experience. Until then, live and lead with an open heart and open mind. Thanks for listening.